So, if you have a Bible, grab it. Um, if not, it'll come up on the screen. We are going to be in John chapter 4. Uh, in John chapter 4, we have one of my favorite stories um, in, in the Bible. But before we get there, I, I wanted to, to bring us back up to speed uh, or refresh our, our memory uh, of, uh, one, why this board, we have this big bulletin board with all these names all, all over it up here. But what it is that we're doing with this, uh, this series that we're in. So we are in the, the, this series called Who's Your One? Uh, and the whole intended purpose for this series is, is to get everyone, um, their, their, your, your minds working, where your mind and your heart is uh, um, connected for the purpose of seeing people come to Jesus. Now, re remember, this isn't church growth strategy. Will growth happen? Yes, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Um, if you are engaging in the Who's Your One, if you are, are uh, if you've chosen your one, and that's the, the, the idea is to identify someone in your life that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that, that uh, someone in your life that, that um, you, you know for a fact that, that uh, if they were to, you know, I, I always use this step out in the middle of traffic and were hit by a, a combine or a dump truck or whatever it is that, that runs the streets around here. Thankfully, it's not horse and buggy, but um, all right, they're still cold. Uh, but uh, if someone you know were to die right now and um, they were to open their eyes and it would not be with God in heaven and eternal um, glory, uh, that they would, would perish and be thrown into the lake of fire. And just, just chill when I say this because I think that I've been, I've been uh, heckled because, well, you talk too much about hell. I'm, I, I don't think I talk too much about hell. There was a guy who talked more about hell than me. Anybody know his name? Jesus. There you go. So understand that the, the, the eternity is real. And what we have to do is we have to have a desire. We have to have a burning inside of us to look at people in our lives and say, I want to see you in heaven. Has, has anybody used that line? Yeah. Okay. I, I use I use that line. That's one of my favorite. Is like I, I man, I, I love hanging out with you. Or you, you're 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 a cool uh, person. You're a good guy, good gal, whatever. Uh, I, I I would love to see you in heaven. I want to see you because the, the fact of the matter is not everybody is going to go to heaven all, all, automatically. The Bible is very clear that we have to uh, um, have a, a relationship. We have to have a trust in the work of Jesus Christ and the person of who Jesus is, what He came to do. Now, when we, when we think about that, we, what we want to do and what we're doing with this series is we're, we're taking, we're identifying names, and those names have a person that's in your life, and, and, and we are committing to pray for them. Now, uh, when, when, when we commit to pray for them, this board is just signifying that, okay, this is that person in which I am committing to pray for. And as we pray for them, we're asking God, how, how can I be stirred up to uh, serve that individual, to uh, engage with that individual, to be able to, to have that, uh, as, as uh, uh, Kurt said a little bit ago, and as Dan even prayed as well, have that boldness to share the gospel with them. To be able to say, hey, I do want to see you in heaven, and this is the way in which you are going to get, get there. Uh, Jesus makes it very clear he's the only way. Um, all, all are welcome, but they have to go through one door. So uh, when, when we understand that we have people in our lives that are not going to be uh, or, or are not right now in, in that, that line to get through that narrow gate, it is our job 
As Kurt said, it is our job to tell them the truth, to tell them what it is that, that the Bible says and who God is and what he has done for us, and then leave it upon them to make that decision. Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, obviously, is how that all, that all works out. But our job is to tell them. So this whole program, this, this who's your one, is to motivate us to be more, big word, evangelistic. Just telling them the good news about who uh, Jesus is. So what we have done is we've highlighted what our strategy at the church is. Build a bridge that can bear the weight of truth. Very simple strategy and what it is that we do here for all ministry, our, our, our mission, our vision, everything in the church is this, this idea, this strategy of I want to build a bridge with someone so that I can put the weight of truth on that bridge and the bridge doesn't collapse. Uh, a lot of bridge building needs to be done um, and, and that is through our, our who's your one is that bridge building uh, concept. Now as we are thinking about bridge building, as we're thinking about that concept, but what I also want us to uh, highlight and not be stressed out about, and it is not your job to save all the people in your life, all right? It's the job of the Holy Spirit of God to save, to regenerate, but it's our job to, to, to focus. How many have trouble focusing? <laughs> You're in a good place. Right, no, but that is something, especially with with this busyness, uh, um, uh, with everything going on around us, and in the, the 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 overload, stimulus overload of, of everything. We're like, okay, I'm looking here. Ooh, squirrel. I'm looking here. Ooh, raccoon. I'm looking here. Um, we haven't figured out if it's a squirrel or if it's a raccoon that keeps getting in over here yet. So it's one of those two. Um, it might be a troll, but I don't know. Uh, you guys remember Willie G Gnome? Yeah, he's went missing, so he may be coming alive at night and uh, doing things. Yeah, but understand that we have a we have, we have this this uh, um, uh, difficulty uh, staying focused. Sometimes, what I want us to do is get all the clutter and just focus on one person. If every single person were to focus on one person, the the, the growth would be and I'm, kingdom growth, church growth will happen, but kingdom growth will be exponential. So, and plus, um, just as a side note, you would be obedient to what God has called us to do as believers. So, what we're doing is we're looking at different um, interactions that Jesus had with individuals um, while he walked the earth, and that were um, recorded in the Gospels here. We're looking at different um, interactions with individuals and seeing, okay, when Jesus focused on one person. What's a lesson? What can we learn from that? What can we take away from that to, to be able to um, either be educated, um, uh, uh, encouraged, or empowered? I, I try to stick with the E's there so we can remember that. Educated, encouraged, or empowered to do evangelism. Today's story is going to be from uh, John chapter 4. And uh, if, you're, if you're in John chapter 4... I know that there's some people that love homework. Um, here's some homework for you, because we're not going to get through all 42 verses. Uh, homework is read John chapter 4, verse 1 through 42. We're going to make it, hopefully, to verse 26, is where I, I want us to, to stop. And that's going to be the, the, the main part of the, 
the conversation which Jesus had with this woman. But understand that the story was going to continue on after where we're, we're going to stop. Um, but uh, from where we are going to start, we're going to see that there's a, uh, an intentionality in what Jesus has, uh, has done or, or gave us an example for. So, uh, also, if you're taking notes, uh, here's our big idea to get that out of the way so you have it. Jesus knew what he had to do. Pretty simple. Everything we're going to talk about is Jesus knew what he had to do. I'm going to ask you a question at the end that's going to go along with that. But Jesus knew what he had to do. We're going to start in verse 4, John chapter uh, 4, yeah, John chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, what what we're, we're doing is, so Jesus has, has left Judea, he's departed, he's headed towards uh, Galilee. In verse 4, we, we pick up that it says, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, when we, when we look at this, we can think, yeah, okay, that's, that's not that, that, that important because it says he had to pass through Samaria and he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near, near uh, the field that Jacob had given to his son jo- uh, Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, sitting beside the well, uh, or was sitting beside the well, it was about the sixth hour. We can see, like, okay, Jesus had to go through um, Samaria. He was on his way to uh, Galilee. If if I have any geography majors in here, you're, you're picturing the, uh, the the map, and on the map you can see that that at Jerusalem, the map of the Holy Land, that you have Jerusalem, Judea down down here. Um, you have the Dead Sea, uh, which is which is down here. Uh, I, I hear it's not very fun. It's kind of dead. Um, I'm just making sure y'all have a pulse, okay? Uh, uh, so you have the Dead Sea down here. You have Jerusalem. It's not too far from, from the Dead Sea. You got the Jordan River going up. You got the Sea of Galilee up here. So Galilee's up, up here. But then you have this, this big chunk of land that's called Samaria. Now, when most good, uh, um, uh, faithful religious Jews would travel from Jerusalem or Judea to Samaria or to a Galilee to up around because down here around around Jerusalem around the Dead Sea it's very uh, um, arid it, it, it's desert like type uh, um, terrain a lot of flint it blew my mind when I when I went over there it was a lot of flint just laying everywhere but dry place but up here up in the upper country very luscious very green. So uh, people w- w- would travel from uh, Jerusalem, Judea area here, Bethlehem, down around there, up to um, Galilee. But when they did, they would go out to the Jordan River and then travel up the Jordan River, beside the Jordan River, and then to, um, uh, to Galilee, to the, the towns and everything around uh, Galilee. They would avoid going through Samaria like Buckeyes avoid going through that state up north, right? My football fans and college fans understand that, right? Michigan, okay? If we have any Michiganders online, um, just hit delete right now and you'll, it's all right. There's a big game today. Anybody going to watch that game? Does anybody know that there's a big game today? I, I knew that Marlin would, yeah. Um, Ohio State and Michigan are playing. They're both basketball. Anyways, it'll go better in the second service because we have more people that are more informed um, about that kind. No, 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 no. About that kind of stuff because y'all are just, you have too, you don't have enough time. You're in your Bibles all the time. Uh, You're you're doing your devotions and and everything, right? You don't have time for all that 
that heathenism. The heathens are in the second service, but we have. Don't tell them I said that though. No, but understand that, that, that people would go, the, the Jewish people would go out and they would go up instead of going through Samaria. But it said that Jesus had to go through Samaria. What's the big difference? Well, Jews thought, and you'll see here in a second, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. Jews viewed Samar- the, the, the Samaritans as half-breeds. They weren't pure Jews. They were ones that, that, that rebelled against God. They, so, so they, they would avoid them at all costs. So when it says that Jesus had to go through uh, Samaria, this is something that, that should jump out at us. And, and when, when, when we look at this, and, and you guys, I know, I know some of you are, are Greek scholars and everything, but if you look at this in the original and understand what that, that little word there, had to, go through it, it has a lot of meaning because it, it says this. I, I got a definition for you. To be unavoidably determined by prior circumstances. So had to, that was un, to be unavoidably, so you can't avoid it, determined by prior circumstances. What does that mean? It was part of God's plan for Jesus to walk through, travel through Samaria. It wasn't just a Man, I really don't want to go all the way out to the Jordan River and all the way up and back up this way. Why don't we just cut right through this? It wasn't a last-minute decision that was made. This was a, 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 a determined, a predetermined route, a predetermined plan um, that, that, that Jesus was uh, engaging and exercising here. Why do I say that? It's going to come into to, uh, to play here in a second. But just keep, keep that in mind. Jesus had to. He had to do it. Let's look at, at verse 7. Verse 7 says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, a lot, of, a lot of stuff here. Jesus is sitting wearied by the well. A sermon in and all of itself, probably even a series, it shows the humanity of Christ. All right, Jesus was fully God, but fully human. He experienced things like we, we experience. All right? But when we look at this, it says that he was there at the sixth hour. Anybody tell me what time of the day the sixth hour is? Noon, absolutely. High noon. It is hot there. It is hot. He's wearied from his journey. It's high noon. And as he's sitting by the well, this woman comes out to the well to draw water. What's the significance? Well, she, maybe she needed some water. It's the time of the day in which she came out to draw water. She didn't come out in the morning when it was cool or in the evening when it was cool. She had to come out in the middle of the day because why? Because she was an outcast. She couldn't be around. She, she wasn't around any, anybody else other than a few dudes, as we're going to see here in a second. But she says, how is it that you, a Jew, are going are gonna to talk to me, a Samaritan? And we said that the, the Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along. But not only that, how are you, a man, going to talk to a woman and a, a man who is a, obviously some rabbi or some 
uh, you know, guy that's important because you have all these disciples that are taking and, and going to get you uh, a Taco Bell. Yo quiero Taco Bell. I don't know. Um, but why are, why are you talking to me? I'm a, I, I'm a, it doesn't say it here, but it, it is well known that, that, that she's a prostitute. She's a, a woman of, of ill repute. And what, so what, why are you talking, talking to, to, to me? How is it that, that a Jew is talking to a Samaritan, but Jesus, all, all, all he says is like, give me a drink. Just, just give me a drink. Let's look at verse 10. I love verse 10. If you have a highlighter or underline stuff in your Bible, underline, highlight, circle, everything in verse 10, because verse 10 is the pivotal verse of this whole passage. Jesus answered her. And actually, in, in, in the Semitic uh, language, this is a, a redundancy we see in, uh, um, uh, in English. It would actually render, like, Jesus answered her and said. So it, it's one of those, I'm getting your attention here. The writer is saying, listen up, look at what's going on, listen to, and, and dig deep into here. It says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So what's the big deal here? Well, Jesus is saying, if you only knew. If you only knew, and that's one of my, one of my, my, my main focus in this text, is Jesus had to go and he had to, to meet with this lady, and he had this conversation, and the, the whole point and the whole premise of this conversation is pivotal. It, it, it um, hinges on that statement, if you knew. If you knew who it was. Jesus saying when he answered, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who it was that was saying this, if you knew what I could give you, things would be totally different. In this text we see, and I think that this is where, um, as we're talking about reaching our one and praying for our one, engaging with our one, I, I, I believe that we can draw three uh, um, things out of this, three um, uh, lessons or, or things to know is what I have in my, my notes here. Three things to know to engage um, our one. When we look at this text, the first thing, and I'm going to work in the, in the a backwards order from the way in which it is presented in the text, we're going to start with the living water. And I, I start with the living water because that's where the woman started. When Jesus talks about this living water, it goes right into verse um, 11 through 15. I'll read it. It says, The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. You're an idiot. What are you going to do, right? And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us. And anybody ever have that picture in your mind where, where Jesus is sitting there going, Well, yeah. Right? Kind of. Anybody? All right, oh, it's my sanctified imagination. He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give, will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I, don't, I won't be thirsty or have to come here and draw water. 
When, 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 it's, when Jesus says here in verse 10 that, that I would give him living water, the, the, the lady automatically is like, okay, let's go by a well, there's water. He's talking. It's physical water. Okay, living water. Ooh, living water is good. Now, when, I, when we say living water, there's like a double meaning to li- what living water is. So we can't fault the, the, the young lady or old lady, however, whatever age she was. We can't fault her of not immediately understanding. Well, we, because Jesus had a tendency to, to give, I'm going to give you a physical example and a spiritual example that go together. But living water uh, meant uh, running water, like, like a, a river or a, a spring, water that flowed. So just think about this. The, the well in which you're going to is, is um, a, a hole in the ground. And, and that water that they're drawn out, is, obviously it sustains life. But um, the water in which he, that she is thinking is like, okay, there, what about the spring? We're, we're going to have a spring that has living water. Any, anybody like, like uh, artesian well water? Like good what water? We, that's what we have here at the church, so it's awesome if you want to, want to drink it. Um, you can actually go right out to the, the, the water head out there, and it, it bubbles over. But understand that this, is, this lady is thinking, this can be so refreshing. She may even be thinking uh, about stories that, that, that she has heard growing up about how David uh, had a, a specific a spring, a water source in Bethlehem that he loved and he longed to drink from. So this lady's like, Woo, this is going to be like smart water and not the, the, the Walmart cheap crap. Is smart, does, does smart water make you smarter? No, it just makes you poorer. Um, but, but this woman is like, okay, I want, I want this living water. This, I, I, I want this. this. This would be awesome. I would, if I had running water, this, this living water in my house, I would never have to come here again. This is her mindset. She was looking at the physical. Was Jesus talking about the physical? Absolutely not. He was not talking about the physical. Jesus was talking about eternal life. The, the, the running water, this living water that would well up inside of you is when he was saying, he's referring to the, the, the Holy Spirit coming in and indwelling the, 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 the individual and regenerating the heart. Taking the heart of stone and turning it into a heart of flesh that, that God can, can make and to mold into a, what it is he wants every man and woman to be. This is what the, the, the living water is. We can even see that in verse 14 where, where Jesus says, The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of, of water welling up to eternal life. The purpose of the living water, and, and understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling inside of us is, for, is the intended purpose of eternal life or for eternal life. Paul is very clear. He says that the, the, the Spirit seals us for the day of, of redemption or the day of return of Christ. He is our guarantee. And this is who or what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the, the, this living water. But let's look what he says also. Verse 16. Because in verse 16, and I'm going to read um, down through... Uh, let me let me do let, let's do this. Let, let me let me let me backtrack one second. 
I don't want to, I'm getting ahead, I'm getting ahead of myself here. I'm so, I'm so amped up. Actually, I'm, I'm starting to sweat really bad. It's hot in here, right? My wife said, nah, you just talk too much. Well, I, I get it. I do. I do. I wish I had some living water. Um, how, about, how about this? Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that, that is saying this to you, give me a drink, and, he would, and you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Not only did she, uh, did she automatically focus on this living water, she had no idea about why it is that, that Jesus was there. Now, obviously, she, why would she know? Because she's a stranger. I'm not saying that she had to know, and I'm not uh, implying that she should have known. I'm just saying that Jesus is identifying some key characteristics of this woman that are lacking, um, that are very very detrimental or, or, or very important to this understanding of eternal life. Look at that, that, that verse again at the beginning of verse 10. It said, if you knew the gift of God. Well, what is the gift of God? If you don't hear anything else that, that, that I talk about today, go out of here understanding what this gift of God is. The gift of God is exactly what Jesus already said, this living water, eternal life, which is given to us by the Holy Spirit of God. And this is what, what, what he's saying, if you knew the gift of God. I, I love thinking about this because when we think about uh, this in, encounter, when we think about Jesus is, is sitting there, he's leaning there, maybe he has stood up at this point, we don't know. But he, he looks at her and says, if you knew the gift of God. It, that there is nothing more important than understanding the gift of God. Paul writes very clearly in a few different places that it is the gift of God that is most important in anything which we understand or anything in which we act upon. Uh, if you want to, you can turn there, but it'll come up on the screen. Two passages in particular. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Paul talks about uh, the gift of God, and I think it shows a direct link to uh, the passage in which we're, we're, uh, we're reading here. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What Paul here is very clearly communicating to this church in, in Rome is that there is a consequence for sin. Think about back to this lady who is, is standing there at this well, and, and, ta and Jesus is talking to her about living water and, ta and is talking to her about this eternal life. And, and, and Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, because it's going to come into play, keep your finger there for a second, or if you had your finger there in John chapter 4, flip back to John chapter 4, because it says, for the wages of sin is death. This woman here we know is, is living in sin. Look at, at um, verse 16. Because verse 16 says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. So, so, so Jesus here is, is explaining that you, you need to know the gift of God, and um, the gift of God is eternal life, the, the living water in which I give, and, and she's not getting it. She's thinking physically here, and, and, and Jesus says to her, he, he sees that, 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 that look of consternation on her, on her, faith, on her face, like, hmm, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Uh, it's kind of like that, that, that thinking emoji, like, hmm, or that kind of confused emoji. We should have emojis pop up everywhere. That would be awesome. Teach, uh, I teach a, a Bible passage with emojis only. <laughs> no. 
Jesus said to her, go call your husband. And she's like, oh, how do I answer this question? And I know that it goes right into it, but I'm thinking that she's probably like, mm. well, that's the thing. Uh, the woman answered him, I have no husband. <laughs> Jesus chuckles. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying that. You're right in saying that I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. What is Jesus doing here? Jesus is just identifying the root problem in this lady's life. Jesus is not getting up on, on, on his uh, um, soapbox and, and, and beating her down and sticking her nose in her sin. Jesus is just merely identifying the sin that she has in her life. Now, the sin that she has in her life is not divorce. So don't, don't, don't be like, well, let's see, a preacher said you can't be divorced and remarried. I'm not saying it's not divorce. Well, the, the, the sin that she has in her life right now is she's living with a man who is not her husband. And that's all Jesus is saying. He, she is having sex outside of marriage. It's, oh, you know, that's not a bad sin. It's a sin. The Bible says it. It's part of porneia. It's a sexual immorality. It's just as bad as any other sin. Well, you don't have to harm or harp on it. All I'm saying is Jesus is identifying the root of why she is there at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Because she's living in sin. She knows she is. Jesus is bringing this up. And the reason that, that he's bringing it up is so she, he can take the physical example in which she is thinking this living water and give her the, the, the spiritual and she can connect the dots. It says that, 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 that here, when Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, and he's explaining here, it's because this woman is living in sin she doesn't understand so when we talk about this eternal life, and we talk about for the wages of sin is death, but, uh, but for the, for the free gift of God is eternal life. Um, yeah, I'm butchering that all, all up. For wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we say that, and, and we think about this woman, and we think about what Jesus is saying, if you knew the gift of God, he is saying if you were to hear the gift of God, if you, the, the truth of the gospel, and receive it, the state in which you are living in right now will change. Now, I, I, I've met tons of Christians, nobody in this room, but you know somebody because it would never be us, but who ha have said, oh man, I, I believe in Jesus and I've, I, I've, been, I've been born again, but their life is still the same. It would be the same as the lady that is at the well, that she says, oh, Jesus, I want this living water, I want this eternal life, and she says, oh, I got it, and then she goes right back to doing exactly what she's still doing. No transformation. What we have to understand is that Jesus is explaining to her, your life can be different. Now, I'm not prosperity, gospel, and all this other stuff that God wants you to have all this stuff. I, I believe that God wants to bless you. He wants to bless his children, just like I want to bless my children. But there is an understanding that we have to, 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 to get to that um, the Spirit of God can do amazing things in your life if you let him. But that's the key. We, got, we have to let him. Too often what we want to do is we want to, we want to focus on the physical. The physical water. Give me the running water instead of understanding, no, it's living water. That's, that's the Holy Spirit of God. It says welling up. Welling up inside of us. 
What we have a tendency to do is not submit to the Spirit of God who is inside of us. And what we want to do is we want to muscle and white-knuckle our, our, our way through life, not letting Him change us. Now, am I saying that, that, that if, you, if that's you and you're, you're, you're pig-headed, stubborn, whatever, I'm sorry, strong-willed and determined, right? That's, that's i got to be politically correct. If that's you, understand that, 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 that yeah, you... you I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm not saying that you're not going to be in heaven. What I'm saying is, man, you're making your life tough. You're doing things that don't need to be done. You're trying to do everything on your own. The Bible is very clear that we are to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. Give up control. Again, no one in here. Control freaks. Give up. They're online. Give up control. And let God be in control. Let God uh, 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 be the one to, to well up and guide you. And this is what Jesus is saying to, to this woman. He, he's saying that you need to know the gift of God because it is the gift of God that gives eternal life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. That's the other passage that I wanted to connect to uh, the, the, this text here. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it talks about the gift of God. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. What is this gift of God? Oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Yes, this gift of God is the faith in which we can have. For by grace, it's by God's grace. God, God, God gives us something that we don't deserve. And it's by that grace that we can respond in faith to Him. How is that even possible? Because it's a gift. Who likes receiving gifts? I, I would hope some of you out there, nah, I don't, I've got everything I need. Well, how about a hug then, right? The, <laughs> we'll send Pappy around to give everybody a hug. The, what we have to understand is the gift has been given to all of us. When I say all of us, the gift has been given to mankind to, to, to um, let's just say, make it to heaven. I hate using those words, but to have a relationship with Jesus, the good news of God's redemptive plan, it's been given. What do you have to do with the gift to enjoy it? Receive it. We've got to receive it, and absolutely, we've got to open it. We have to see what's inside and the free gift that God gives us is, is the, the finished work of the cross so that we can have eternal life with Him. This is, this is the, the, the big picture of what's going on here at this well. Jesus is saying, this life in which you have right now, one, it's not the life in which you should be living, but two, this is nothing compared to the life in which you can be living and that you will be if you understand the gift of God. I think that it goes right into the, the, this third uh, thing to know is, who is this? It says in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, saying like, who it is that's even speaking to you, Jesus continues on, or it's, John continues on in verse 19 and answer, helps answer this question. Because the woman said to him, to Jesus, after Jesus read her mail, or Facebook page, or whatever it is at that time. It's just as long as Facebook wasn't uh, banned from Israel at that time. You guys see that? 
You guys are too much in your Bible. I, I understand it. I understand. I'm sorry. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. So when Jesus reads her mail, man, I'm running out of time. When Jesus reads her mail, she goes right to, wait a second, okay, i got to be all religious here. Well, I went to church when I was a kid. When we were uh, um, doing the, the ministry for sex trafficking, this is where we got the, the name Sychar from. This is, this is, this is where, where it was rooted in. But when we were doing that, that whole ministry, out of the, I think it was 39, 38, whatever, 30-some women who, who, who came through and we were able to help, the overwhelming majority, I can only think of a couple that did not tell me that they were not a Christian. So out of all of them, the overwhelming majority were, would say, oh yeah, I went to church when I was a kid, I'm a Christian. Look where you're at. You're standing at the well at noon. You don't understand the free gift of God. And you don't understand who it is that, 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 that has delivered that gift and is that gift. This is where the woman goes. She says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm religious. Jesus is like, it's not about religion. It's not about going to church. It's not about everybody on, online is like, yeah, that's why I don't need to come in. I'm in my boxer shorts. No, it, you have to be in community. So get over the sickness and come in. We want you here. Dad wants to hug you. Jesus said, it's not about all the religion. It's about what is most valuable in your life. What do you mean? That's what wor worship means. The highest worth, ascribing worth in your life. Jesus says here, after she said, oh, I went to church. Jesus said to her, woman. I love that. Woman. That's why I call Shannon. Woman. Don't tell her I said that. Woman. Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain, Mount Gerizim is what she's pointing out, um, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem uh, will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. All he's saying there is the Messiah comes from the Jews, the line of David. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For, this is a huge one, underline this, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Huge sermon series right there, but understand that, that, that for what we're talking about, our one, understand like we talked last, last week, that Jesus is seeking the lost. Here it says the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. The Father, God the Father is seeking the one in which you are praying for, that we are praying for, to come into a relationship with Him so that one can be worshiping the one, the only one, the only true God. And this is what, what, what is being said here. It goes on. The woman said to him, said to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And what does Jesus do in verse 26? He's stupid, it's me. No, he didn't say that. No, it says Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The one you're looking for is standing right here in front of you. The one who can give you the forgiveness of your sins. 
is standing right here in front of you. The gift of God is standing right here in front of you. You'll see as you, as you do your homework this week of what happens after that, how the whole town is, is transformed because of, of, of that one little phrase. But what I want you to go away with today in our closing thought. So, Jesus knew what he had to do, right? He knew he had to go there. He knew he was going to have this encounter. He knew what, to, that what she needed. Jesus knew what he had to do. Do you? That's it. Jesus knew what he had to do. Do you know what you have to do? What you're needed to do? As we've said in the, in, in the, 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 the weeks prior, it's going to be different in each person's life and interaction. The one in which you have is going to be different. But what you have to understand is you have to know what to do. If you, I don't know what to do, start where Jesus started. Tell him about who he is. And tell him about the gift of God. If you want to do what, 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 what I have done with my one, just be blunt. A few weeks ago, I was having a, a meeting with my one, an encounter, and I looked, at, I looked at him and I said, do you know, hey, we're doing this at church. And we're, everybody's identifying someone, blah, 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 went through the whole thing. And I asked him, I said, do you know who my one is? And he said, no, no. I said, you're my one. Maybe that's, that's your icebreaker. I don't think there's anything more loving you can say, well, yeah, but it's going to be awkward. Maybe there, would you rather it be awkward and them hear the truth about eternal life with God, or are you to be comfortable now and them never hear about who Jesus is and what he's done? I think that we need to be a little bit uncomfortable now so they're not uncomfortable for eternity. Comfort now is what society and what the world, oh, we're, we're to be you know, comfortable and living well and all this other stuff. I'm not saying that we all get rid of everything. No, but I'm saying what we need to do is we need to put our comfort aside when it comes to sharing the gospel of who Jesus is and what he's done. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we do thank you for who you are. We thank you for this story. God, my prayer is that as we hear about the gift of God, the gift that you have given, Lord, of what, what, what Jesus came to do. He came and he lived a life in which we cannot live, a life without sin, but then he was put on the cross for one reason and one reason only, and that was to pay the penalty for that sin, so that we, as sinful as we are, we, we, we can stand and be covered by the, the, His payment, and we can stand in judgment and say, it's because of Jesus that I, I, I'm getting, I can get in here, because I trust in Him. God, my prayer is that, that if there are those that are, are hearing me, they're in the sound of my voice, that have not put their trust in the finished work of Jesus, what he has done, he has been risen from the dead, he sits at the right, uh, the right hand of you, Father. And he's coming again someday. God, if they haven't put their trust in that finished work, God, my prayer is that they do. And God, as we pray for all of these names that are on this board up here, God, it's not so we could just be this big church. God, we want to be faithful to what you've called us to do when you say go and make disciples of all nations. God, we just want to be a faithful, a faithful people. 
Lord, it's my prayer that we can stand in front of you one day and we can hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, will we mess up? Yeah, on our own, we're going to mess up. And on our own, we can't do it. But God, my prayer is that you work through us. God, as we go through out of here and we uh, face the bitter cold again, uh, Lord, let us take the, the, the truth of your message with us with confidence, and as Kurt said earlier, with boldness to see your glory in our midst. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome week.